Hello everyone, this is Justin Hibbard, pastor of New Hope Chapel, and today's New Hope Reflection is entitled, A Christian Response to Homosexuality. Recently, Maryland became the eighth state to legalize same-sex marriage. Given that decision, which I'm sure will find its way in the ballot in November, and the recent protests at a local high school by the infamous Westboro Baptist Church, I wanted to take an opportunity to talk about homosexuality as it pertains to scripture and the body of Christ. As acceptance of homosexuality has increased, especially in the last 20 years, churches have struggled with how to respond. On one extreme, there are those making very vulgar statements like, God hates gay people, and on the other side are believers encouraging this behavior and even hiring homosexual pastors. So are these the options that we are limited to? I don't think so, and here's why I believe that the Bible prescribes a very different response. First, let's talk about what the Bible says about homosexuality. Plain and simple, it tells us that homosexuality is a sin. Leviticus 18 lists a number of sexual relationships that God finds detestable. Amidst those behaviors like incest and bestiality is homosexuality. Leviticus 18.29 reminds us, Do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman. That is detestable. And like many sins, homosexuality is a perversion of something good. God gives us the gift of intimate, sexual, monogamous relationships between a man and a woman. But when we pervert his plan, we abuse it and act in sin. We could go on about the Old Testament, but let's turn our attention to the New Testament. While the Gospel accounts never mention Jesus talking about the issue of homosexuality, most likely because this was not a common practice among Jews, the New Testament letters written to inhabitants in a Roman culture have plenty to say about this behavior. In Romans 1, Paul writes, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people. He continues, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. In other passages, such as 1 Timothy 1 and 1 Corinthians 6, homosexuality is lumped in with other evils, such as sexual immorality, lying, cheating, and even murder. Secondly, let's talk about how God feels towards those who practice homosexuality. Plain and simple, he loves them. John 3.16 tells us that God loves the world. He came to die for sinners just like all of us. He came to die for the adulterers, those who have committed the sin, and those who have entertained lustful thoughts, the murderers, those who have killed, and those who have hated others, Basically, those who have thought evil and those who have let evil thoughts move them toward evil action. In Second Peter 3, we're reminded that God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Jesus craves abundant life for us because he knows that sin is separation from God. He desires us to be whole and to find our life, not chasing the pleasures of our heart, but pursuing the heart of God. The general tenor among homosexuals is a belief that this is the way I was born, so accept me and love me for who I am. And while there is no definitive scientific evidence that backs up a claim of homosexual predisposition, it shouldn't matter to us whether there is or isn't. The fact is that we are all born into a sin nature. All of us are predisposed to types of evil. Let's look at alcoholism for a moment. Scientists have discovered a genetic leak among alcoholics that demonstrates a predisposition to the addiction and disease. How many of us encourage alcoholics to drink? How many of us would say to an alcoholic, Hey, it's cool that you're always sipping on hard liquor. That's the way you were born. No. 
we'd probably encourage them to seek help and go through the difficult process of changing their behavior. While I personally don't have homosexual impulses, I can think lustful heterosexual thoughts. It doesn't mean I should entertain these thoughts or act on these impulses just because this is my general human disposition. I can think of no example in scripture where God excuses or allows a sinful behavior simply because of our nature. Quite the contrary. We're constantly told to shed off our former way of life, our carnal nature, and be clothed with the mind of Christ. That process called sanctification is a difficult and lifelong process of dying to self and transforming to the likeness of Jesus. So how should we respond to those who practice homosexuality but desire the Lord and church fellowship? First, it's important to demonstrate the love of God. How can others be expected to listen to us if we don't demonstrate a loving desire to see God's best in their lives? Just as God craves our soul, so we should desire to see a sinner experience the life-changing fullness of the Lord Jesus. So how do we love a sinner? Consider Jesus' interactions with the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, or the adulterous woman brought to him in John 8. In both cases, he demonstrates love, forgiveness, and self-worth to these women. He pays attention to them and isn't quick to focus on their sin. However, he doesn't shy away from the opportunity to turn these women around. To the Samaritan, he points out her sin. To the adulterous woman, he says, go and sin no more. As any parent knows, loving your child doesn't always mean approving, supporting, or condoning behavior. Sometimes there's a necessity to chastise my children in order to correct them and let them know what is and isn't acceptable. When Jesus says, I don't condemn you, we shouldn't interpret that to mean that Jesus condones her. No, he forgives her and frees her from the mentality that she is a slave to sin. In other words, loving people who struggle with homosexuality means helping homosexuals through their struggle. There is a vast chasm between accepting sin and struggling with it. On one side, some Christians are calling themselves enlightened and referring to their homosexual behavior as God-ordained. And on the other side are those who wrestle, struggle, and make war against their temptation. Some people with homosexual dispositions never lose that appetite for a person of the same sex. However, they wrestle every day, crucifying those thoughts and pushing away those impulses, much like we do with our sins. One of the greatest ways we can demonstrate the love of Jesus is to remind people, just as we need to be reminded, that Christians are not defined by their sin. We can shed off labels that the world gives us, homosexual, adulterer, murderer, liar, cheater, etc. That might have been a way to classify us before we gave our lives to following Jesus. But as 2 Corinthians 5.17 reminds us, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here.